Hello, and welcome to a special 4th of July edition of Problematic Women, a podcast and Facebook live show that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of the feminist left. My name is Kelsey Harkness, and I'm a senior news producer here with The Daily Signal. And I'm Lauren Evans, multimedia producer for The Daily Signal and producer of Problematic Woman. It's not often that you get to meet the producers of shows that you watch or listen to, but we thought we would drag Lauren on today (laughs) in the spirit of being independent. She plays a very important role here on Problematic Women, coming up with a lot of ideas for segments and topics to talk about. So Lauren... Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me on. Very excited. So we've got a special show for you today in honor of America's Independence Day. We're going to count down our favorite independent women. These are women who buff the left's narrative of what it means to be pro-woman. Any woman who voted against Hillary Clinton voted against their own voice. These are women who have also proven time and time again what it means to be problematic. Before we kick it off, Lauren, I feel like we should very quickly break down what it means to be a problematic woman, because I know sometimes in reading comments after people watching the show, they think that it's a bad thing to be problematic, but it's a badge of honor. Explain that. So being a problematic woman, uh, I think it started, Kelsey wrote an article in response to a Glamour, is that correct? Elle Magazine. Elle Magazine article, and it said, what do we do with these problematic women? And it was talking women about, similar to what we're going to list, women who are strong conservatives, who are a positive role model for young women, but they can't get behind them just because of that, you know, R next to their name. Yeah, the left really views these conservative women as problems to be fixed rather than women whose ideas are worthy of debate. They basically just want them to go away, but they really cause a lot of problems for the left because they reveal all the hypocrisies going on behind the scenes because this is the party that claims to champion women, and yet time and time again, as we're going to talk about today, we see them tearing them down. So Lauren, I'm going to let you kick it off with the number five independent woman for the week. All right, thanks, Kelsey. Everybody ready? Drum roll. <laughs> Elaine Chow. Uh, Kelsey, you know, this might be my favorite problematic woman of the week that we've had recently. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Kelsey and Ginny, I recommend that you do. Uh, or you might have seen this clo- clip floating around the internet. If you haven't, you have to listen now. I mean, everything about this, literally everything about this is fantastic. The fact that it's an immigrant woman being attacked by white male protesters. She's a woman protecting her husband, and on top of all of that, she's the one being held back by the bodyguards. This is a family-friendly show, and we don't want to get in trouble for language, so I'm going to call her a bad butt. But she's so independent and not afraid to stand up for herself or her family. And just like we were talking before, she just turns everything that these liberal women say on their heads. She's strong, she's independent thinking, uh, and I think that's someone we can all look up to. And what I love about that clip is you also hear her defending her husband, who the protesters were out there screaming at. And 
a lot of times you see men defending their wives, but to see a strong woman like Elaine Chow stand up to protesters for her husband, I think totally flips the script and shows that women are, are plenty capable of standing up, not just for themselves, but for their significant others. All right, well, let's move on to number four. This woman is very problematic, probably one of the most notorious women on this entire list, Kelly Ann Conway. Lauren, I think Kelly Ann Conway is one of the most hated women in the Trump administration. It's hard to understand why. I think it was because she was out there campaigning so much for President Trump. Um, uh, but, but most recently, my favorite Kelly Ann Conway clip came just this week. Um, in, in response to these far left calls to abolish ICE, which I have to note that they're not even far left anymore because we now have Senators Elizabeth Warren and uh, Kristen Gillibrand calling to abolish ICE. Um, Bill de Blasio, this is becoming a very mainstream, mainstream um, call to action to abolish ICE. Here's what Kellyanne had to say about it. The call for the abolition of ICE, in my view, is the intersection of arrogance and ignorance. She's completely right. I would bet, Lauren, that a majority of people out there don't even know what ICE does. Uh, there's this awful narrative that all they do is rip families apart. But in reality, you know, if, if you just take a couple minutes to look on the website of, of ICE, you'll learn that they are fighting drug smugglers. They are fighting human traffickers. They are fighting um, people who are bringing in illicit um, weapons and other materials into the country, and uh, they are fighting people like MS-13 uh, who who are raping young girls um, and wrecking havoc across the country. So I think it's really unfair. I think the men and women of ICE have an important job to do, and uh, Kelly and Conway is a good defender of them. And I think that's why the left hates Kellyanne Conway so much is because she's so effective. She is not afraid to get on TV and just completely disarm their entire narrative. And she can do it without any notice. You know, they, they just throw something at her and she throws it right back. So, And I have to say, as someone who do, does dabble with some TV uh, hits every now and then on Fox, it's not an easy job to communicate in sound bites. Here we have more time to really get into the issues that we're talking about. But if you're doing some something on TV, you know, one of the mainstream media networks, you only have a couple seconds to make people remember what you have to say. And Kelly and Conway is so good at that. Well, Kelsey, what's number three? All right, our next problematic independent woman is Nikki Haley. She's actually a two-time Problematic Woman of the Week winner and obviously the ambassador to the UN. Um, so Nikki Haley, yes, has come up quite a bit as being problematic. The left, I think, has trouble with this one um, because she is so strong and she's very smart. Um, she's doing, I think, a great job uh, on, on, at the UN representing the United States. I'm proud to have her there. Um, so she first became ex incredibly problematic when the widely discredited author Michael Wolff started spreading these really awful rumors about her having an affair with President Trump on Air Force One. And Nikki Haley had a few options how to respond. And 
she took it head on. She tweeted at him about how disgusting these comments were. Um, she did not stand for it. And I give her credit for that, sort of like Elaine Chow. It's it's nice when women can figure out how to appropriately punch back. And I think Nikki Haley, like Elaine Chow, both stood up for themselves. And that's something we love to see. Another reason why we love Nikki Haley is that she played a pivotal role in moving the United States Embassy to Jerusalem and also calling out the UN Human Rights Council on its obvious bias against the U.S. So speaking to the former, here's a clip. I will not shut up. Rather, I will respectfully speak some hard truths. There's the path of absolutist demands hateful rhetoric, and incitement to violence. That path has led and will continue to lead to nothing but hardship for the Palestinian people. So, Lauren, do you think she's going to run for president? You know, that's just about what I was about to say. <laughs> I think every young conservative that I talk to, whether they're, they're very libertarian, whether they're very socially conservative, they all say, you know, their next president after President Trump they hope to be Nikki Haley. Do you know how much pleasure I would get out of seeing the left's reaction to having the first female president female in the United min States history be a Republican minority? This this is what the left struggles with so much because they try to play identity politics, and then you have people like Nikki Haley who shred that narrative to pieces. So I hope she won runs. We're rooting for her. And in the meantime, she's doing an awesome job at the UN. Okay. Our number two independent woman is so problematic, Kelsey. She can't even eat dinner out with her family. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And I think pretty confident I think we can pretty confidently say that no other woman has had as many personal attacks as the press secretary. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like she burns facts and then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. <laughs> like maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. And we have one more clip, but I just have to stop. I still can't believe that happened. I still can't believe that in that dinner, the press secretary was so gracious enough to come and sit on stage next to Michelle Wolf, and she was treated that way. And you were there, weren't you? Yeah, I was there. Uh, I was in the very back of the room, and I I think I booed louder than anybody else. And it made me feel good the next morning. At, even seeing those clips again, I was like, you know what? At least one person stood up. Well, it's important to notice how you respond in the moment in these situations because sometimes it's hard to recognize how ridiculous things are when you're in the moment if everybody else in the room finds it acceptable. Yeah, I mean, most people just thought it was funny or they were just kind of nervously smiling. But, you know, even if they were doing this to someone on the left, I think I still would have had the same reaction because they were going after her looks, they were going after the way that she talks. And that's just not the way my mother taught me to treat people, so... Uh, and the last one, Sarah Huckabee Sanders can't even get respect from the people she works with every day, the press corps. Don't you have any empathy for what these people are going through? They have less than Brian, you do. Guys, Sarah, come on, settle seriously. down. Seriously. 
serious. I'm trying to be serious, but I'm not going to have you yell out a turn. Jill, please call. It's a law, and and they have these people have nothing. Hey, Ryan, I know you want to get some more TV time, but that's not what this is about. If I want to recognize you, go ahead, Jill. Honestly, answer the question. It's a serious question. These people have nothing. They come to the border with nothing, and you throw children in cages. You're a parent. You're a parent of young children. Don't you have any empathy for what they go through? I think my favorite part of that whole clip was the part where she's like, all right, you've got enough TV time. She just totally called them out. You know, don't you have empathy? He doesn't really care if she has empathy. He wants the headline on CNN to be, you know, that he grilled the press secretary. I think so often reporters forget that this is her job. And of course, she cares very personally about this. She wouldn't go into this job if she didn't. But it is her job to defend the president of the United States. And I think we can imagine she stands with him on the majority of issues. But to make some of these issues so personal to her and bring up the fact that she has children, I think is really unfair because it's not her job to get up there and tell you how she feels about every single one of the policies that the Trump administration puts out. It's her job to defend those policies and explain them to the American people. So I don't appreciate bringing people's kids into the conversation. I thought that was a step too far. And of course she has empathy. Of course she doesn't want these children to be separated from their families. They just have disagreements of the way to best implement that policy. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders, we salute you. Thanks for being our number two independent woman. All right, and our number one independent woman is our favorite high heel wearing first lady, Melania Trump. So from Melania's fashion choices to her quote unquote disappearance after kidney surgery, the press is always on her back. Even when she came out with her Be Best campaign, specifically um, looking to address children and, and bullying, they still had some issues with it, and they were kind of mocking her, making fun of her. Um, time and time again, I think the press is, they're, they're curious about her. They don't know what to do with her because they can't quite figure out where she stands on all these issues, which I, I love. She just, I think, makes the media very confused, and I think she knows what she's doing. I think, exactly, just like Kellyanne Conway, the media hate her because she is so good at being first lady. She's beautiful. She does a great job hosting events. I think the only really gaffe that she had was the I don't care, do you, you know, yeah. jacket gate. But even still, <laughs> that could be called a just a bad, a small bad decision. But besides that, you know, she doesn't get political like her husband. She stays out of dragging people into the mud. So she's the queen of trolling, and usually her trolling comes in very subtle forms. Uh, but in the case of that jacket, it was just too obvious and it was honestly a bit out of character because she's usually, you know, you have to kind of read into some of her fashion choices um, to figure out if, if this was on purpose or, or whether it was just a coincidence. But that one was very in your face. I think it was in poor taste, but I also think it's unfair to assume that that jacket was applying to um, the context of the kids who are being separated from their parents along the border versus what I think it was and what President Trump says it was, a jab at the press that Melania is kind of over their quote-unquote fake news, especially when she just got off of a couple weeks in the hospital and surgery and they're um, 
you know, we had CNN asking about her disappearance. I think she's probably just sick of it. Yeah, they were, like, reading her tweets to see if she had been kidnapped by the president. It was bizarre. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was one where um, they she had written out a whole sentence and the first sentence started with an H, the second one and started with e. E-L-P <laughs> and people thought it was this big conspiracy theory that she was saying help and she needed to like be safe from the White House. So that is the status of our mainstream media today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure in the least you're getting some entertainment from it. But Melania, keep wearing those heels, keep looking gorgeous and you do you. All right. Well, we will be right back. But before we take this quick break, we wanted to give you a quick plug for one of our favorite podcasts. Of course, the Daily Signal podcast. This podcast gives you a daily rundown of the day's leading headlines, provides commentary on what's important, and often invites Daily Signal news reporters and Heritage Foundation scholars to comment on the policy debates playing out in America today. Search for it on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts by typing in the Daily Signal podcast. I listen every night or morning, depending on what's going on that day, and you should too. I really think you'll enjoy it. All right, that's about it for our short 4th of July special. But before we let you go, in honor of the holiday, uh, Kelsey and I are just going to count on a few of many reasons why we love the United States of America. To start us off, this is my favorite story this year, my favorite story last year. I'm sure it'll be my favorite story next year, uh, but about the Griffin twins. And I think I've been on the show actually maybe two or three times. And I know at least two of those times I've talked about the Griffin twins. But if you're not familiar of them, their names are Shaquille and Shaquem. They're identical twins. They're from Florida. Shaquem was born with amniotic band syndrome, uh, which led to one of his hands being amputated because of extreme pain when he was just four years old. Uh, despite this, their dad never ta- treated them any differently. They had to do the same workouts, went to the same practices, and they kind of got that like gusto together. Um, Shaquille had a lot of, the, the twin brother had a lot of D1 offers. Those who aren't familiar, D1 is kind of the top tier of college football schools. And he turned down almost all of them except for UCF only because they would take Shaquem with them. Uh, so they played for Shaquille played for three years. Shaquem played for four. Uh, and Shaquille was drafted by the Seahawks. Uh, and then this year, Shaquem was also drafted by the Seahawks in the fifth round, which was just the most amazing thing that the twin brothers are back together again. Uh, a handicapped NFL player was able to actually be drafted and didn't go free agent. Um, but why I bring it up is this weekend, Shaquille and Shaquem at the Mariners, Seattle's baseball game throughout the first pitch and she came through the ball she came caught it and it was just the most beautiful moment of two brothers who have been through so much and no matter what they kept going they didn't care they didn't make excuses for one another they just loved one another and I think that's what America is about and they, they celebrated with one another uh, and just before coming on the show I read an article about how Shaquem is the master of ceremonies at the Special Olympics, which happens to be in Seattle. So just everything about these brothers show what integrity looks like uh, and how, with a little bit of hard work, you can do anything. I love that, and I'm glad you shared it. I think we need more positive examples of stories today. Everything seems so negative. I think what we're just talking about this week uh, with 
we have a Congresswoman Maxine Waters calling for the targeted harassment of Trump administration officials in gas stations and in restaurants. I think we're in a pretty sad state. Um, and when I reflect on what's important to me this 4th of July, thinking about how lucky we are to have a nation um, that was founded on the values that we do, you know, I'm pretty confident that our values will get through this. I think it's almost like, um, you know, you need to rip the bandaid off. We had a lot of, we had, we had a pretty bad injury and like you rip the bandaid off and we're like still bleeding really bad and it's going to take a while for that to stop, <laughs> but it's going to get there. But right now I think it's an, it's a difficult time. I think the rhetoric is really tough sometimes on both sides. Um, and I guess I just like to highlight the importance of um, agreeing to disagree with people and trying to have uh, civil debates and discussions with people who disagree with you. I'm sure politics uh, came up on a lot of your celebrations. And I think, um, you know, we, we need to get back to respecting people's beliefs um, and trying to change their minds via persuasion rather than um, violent rhetoric that is, you know, that we're seeing all over the TV today. I know this is something I try to do through my work in the documentary storytelling. Um, I think it's important. So I, I hope, you know, in honor of this 4th of July, we maybe reflect on um, how important these civil discussions and civil societies are to the fabric of our nation. What a great message, Kelsey. And to all our listeners out there, I challenge you, if you're ever 21, grab a beer at a barbecue, and just have fun with everybody, no matter what their religion, political beliefs are. And, you know, just even that tiny little thing can make a big difference in American politics. It's almost a game to me when I'm at the bar. I'll sometimes try to talk to somebody who I can usually just tell would probably disagree <laughs> with me. And I tell them how I report on some of the most controversial issues of our time. All these uh, bakers and flowers and florists who don't want to make uh, cakes and floor arrangements for same-sex weddings because of their religious beliefs. I tell them about that, and I really take the time to explain where they're coming from. And interestingly enough, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever fully changed someone's mind on it, but I definitely got them to understand the issue better and to maybe respect where they were coming from. And so I think if I can do it, you can too. Yeah. Uh, just one last thing. I went to church with my grandmother this weekend, and the, the pastor pre preached a lot about understanding truth and how important truth is. And my grandma, who's very liberal, and I spoke afterwards, and we were both, you know, it wasn't a heated discussion because it was my grandma. But what I realized is that... Oh, I'd expect a heated <laughs> discussion when talking politics with your grandma. <laughs> but, you know, it's the there's an importance of truth, but there's an importance of the full truth. And I think both on the left and the right, we don't get the full truth. So by having these conversations and getting people the full truth, that will move our country forward. Amen to that. That wraps up our show for this week. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know a problematic woman, please let us know. You can follow my work over at The Daily Signal and on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness. And you can follow my work also at The Daily Signal and on Twitter <laughs> at Lauren E. Liz Evans. This collaboration is a... This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalist, and it is produced by me. And me. I help out sometimes. A little bit. A little help from our awesome intern, Lexi, in the booth today. Thank you, Lexi. Uh, so if you like it, please support us by rating and subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you sharing problematic women with your friends and for supporting strong conservative women who are standing up 
for America's culture. Happy 4th. Happy 4th of July.